In other words, the children became disillusioned with their parents. What does this mean? It means that somehow, somewhere, the parents may have failed their children in not bringing them up 100% God's way. Would you open your Bible, please, to Psalm 127. Psalm 127. Now, we read from these verses just a, a moment ago. This is one of the nicest passages in the Word of God that, that teach the value of children. And beginning in verse 3, we're told that the children really are in heritage of the Lord. That's where they come from. God is the one who gives life. He's the author of life. We must never forget that. It says the fruit of the womb is his reward. Children are a blessing, not, not a curse. Verse 4, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Mighty man would be a man of war back in those days who would use a bow and an arrow. And arrows were sent forth to do a specific job. And likewise in life, children are sent forth. Because we're not going to have them in our little nest forever. They're going to grow up and they're going to move out and start nests of their own. And then verse 5, happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. The quiver was the little pouch they would put the arrows in. And so it's suggesting that it's a blessing to have many children. If this is really a wonderful uh, passage of scripture. And I think it's very appropriate in the light of last week. VBS, Vacation Bible School. It was our 20th year doing it. Um, many of you were here. And you saw all of the decorations we had up. We decorate the auditorium every year. Uh, we just got the VBS decorations down. We don't have our regular decorations back up. They'll be coming soon. But um, it was a wonderful week. and went by so quickly. And it was a lot of fun. And wonderful things happened in the lives of the children. You know, when you think about it, when you step back and think about life... God has designed life to include the children. Children are a very important part of life. Without children, I do not believe we can live balanced lives. These verses here in Psalm 127 are teaching us that it's not only a blessing to have the children, but the children are a blessing to us. Can you imagine the mighty man out in the battlefield without any arrows? Why, he'd be a sitting duck, wouldn't he? And so the arrows are important. The children are important. And we cannot live balanced lives. And something else, maybe you've thought of this, but without the children, we'd only last for about one generation and we'd all be extinct, right? There'd be no more life left on earth if it wasn't for the children. And so praise the Lord for the children. Now, whether you have children in your home or whether you just pass them in the hallway here at church, children help to balance a home and children help balance church life as well. And we, we all need to be a part in helping to raise them right. You know, the Bible teaches there's many benefits to raising children God's way. And that's the key, raising them God's way. You can raise children the world's way 
You could raise children the devil's way, or you could raise children God's way. You know, there are thousands of books written on the subject of raising children. Thousands of videos and movies have been made on the subject. But the Bible has a lot to say. God has a lot to say about raising children right in the Bible. And we'll be looking at a couple of those verses today. Of course, we only have a short bit of time, so we can't look at everything the Bible says. We have lots of children in our church. I'm so happy for that. And so raising them properly is important and has benefits. And by the way, among the benefits of raising children God's way is that it tends to make the parents look good. I'm just being honest with you. Raise your children God's way and it gives you credibility as parents. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4, the Bible talks there about raising children properly, raising them God's way. And in that verse, it indicates that it gives to mom and dad respect and credibility. Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 19, he said these words, Wisdom is justified of her children. There's a lot of truth to that. You want to know something about the home? Look at the children. You want to know something about the parents? Look at the children. You want to know something about wisdom? Look at the children of wisdom. That's the idea there. Now, my wife and I, we've been married for 42 years, and we have some experience in raising children. Our three children are aged 39 and 37 and 33. We have eight grandchildren from age 17 down to age five. Now, we don't know it all. No one knows it all. Only God knows it all. But my wife and I have learned a few things over the years And our best lessons, the very best things we've ever learned about raising children, came from the Bible. And so today, I'd like to share with you a three-step plan for raising children God's way. A three-step plan. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Bible. And the Bible is our instruction book. It's our source book. It's like a dictionary. It's like an encyclopedia. It's like an answer book. It has every answer to every problem that we could face. Our Father God, we thank you so much for the children. And I pray for all of the parents of particularly young children that you would give them much wisdom and grace, even this very day, and give them help in raising children. I pray for those that will be parents one day soon that you would prepare them for this wonderful responsibility. I pray for the parents of those uh, children who are now in their teenage years or perhaps even moved into their 20s or possibly their 30s. Father, I pray for the parents of these, these children and I pray you would give them the wisdom they need to make the adjustments that they need to make as their children mature and get older and, and uh, marry. Father, give us wisdom this day. Glorify yourself in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we consider parenthood and consider children, I think that most Christian parents, I think most Christian parents realize that Satan is out there trying to get a hold of the children. I think that most Christian parents realize that. Maybe some don't. But the truth is, he's out there. Now that means that we have to take action. 
if we're going to raise children, which is not just a privilege, but an awesome responsibility, we need a plan. We need some kind of plan. You know, it's amazing how many parents have no plan whatsoever when it comes to raising their children. What they do is they just take everything day by day and take it as it comes. And usually disaster follows. Who goes about trying to build a building without a plan, a building plan? No one that I know of. You know, even they talk about planning for your retirement. It's important that we have a plan to raise the children. The greatest decision that any person will ever make in his or her life is when they come into contact with God. Now, that's not after they die. That's while they're still alive here. They come into the presence of God, repent of their sin, and receive the Savior, Jesus Christ. That is the greatest decision anyone can make. It's called salvation in the Bible. And the Bible talks about salvation from Genesis to Revelation. It's all there. In my own life, I started reaching out to God in around the fall of 1974 and early April of 1975 I finally figured it out it was simple repentance and faith and the day I did that April 6 1975 was the day I met the Lord Christ came into my heart and I've never been the same my only regret is I didn't do it sooner that's my only regret and I think most Christians have that similar regret I wish I could have been saved sooner I wish I could have. But anyhow, that's water under the bridge. The most important decision you can possibly make is to receive Jesus Christ into your heart as your personal Savior. If you haven't done it yet, I encourage you to do it today. The second most important decision you'll ever make is who you marry. Your marriage. And you make those vows till death do us part. That's the second most important decision you're ever going to make. The third most important decision you'll ever make is having children. Some people get it all miscombobulated. They say, well, my career, what about my career? What about my sports? What about my car? What about the house? Well, those are good decisions, but they come after. Your greatest decision is your relationship with God. Your second greatest decision involves your relationship with your husband or your wife. And your third greatest relationship and decision is with your children. And it has to be in that order for it to be right. That's the only way for it to really turn out right. But you see, so many people have next to no plan whatsoever when it comes to raising children. And so I want to suggest to you that you begin to follow a simple three-step plan of action. Step number one is provide for all the needs of your children. Now that's very basic and I'm sure some are saying, oh yeah, tell me something I don't know. Well, hang in there. Maybe you'll hear something. I don't know. But I'm not talking just physical needs. Of course you're going to supply the physical needs of your children, right? You're going to give them proper food. You're going to give them proper clothing. You're going to give them proper shelter. You're going to give them proper medical, proper dental. You're going to do all those physical things. Exercise is another important physical need, but I'm not talking so much about that. 
I'd like to suggest that we think more of what are the mental needs of our children. Because our children have mental needs. I suggest that you help them with their homework and help them with their school projects. I suggest that you get them to read good books. Now, I know in some situations that can almost be like a little war, read a book. I don't want to, but you need to. I don't want to, but you should. I don't want to. You know, you can, you can run into that. I realize that. But there's always ways around it, creative ways. Learning music is good for the brain. It's very important. And sadly, not enough young people are getting involved with music. But that's a mental need. You know that music is an invention by God? Did you know that? God invented music. There's a lot of music in heaven. We not only need to learn to appreciate good music, we need to create a little bit of music as well. It really helps in some of the stresses of life. I uh, recently uh, read about a World War I pilot. You know, those, those guys were brave. They'd fly in these rickety old things up there and they'd rat-tat-tat at each other. But the stress would get to them. And one particular pilot, he would try and relieve that stress by playing his violin. Not up in the air, but, you know, in between the fights. He'd be on the ground at his tent and he'd have his violin. And at night, he'd put some kind of magnesium flare in the ground and to provide some light and he'd start playing his violin. The music is an important part to help with stress. And everyone is going to go through stress in life. You believe me on that one? Yeah, you better. We all face stress, some more than others. Educational games are important for the children. So give that some thought. Some sort of simple, fun educational game. So these are their mental needs. There are emotional needs. Your children have emotional needs. One emotional need is for them to see you smile. If you're a parent, you have children, of course, little children, smile at them. Smile at them. You know the children, when they're born, they smile something like 400 times a day. And as they get older, it's 300 times, 200 times, 100. By the time they're adults, they don't smile much. If you're one of those, you need to kind of do something and reverse some of that and go back to your childhood a bit and learn to smile a bit more. Learn to smile. My, uh, one of my sons taught me, he was just a little guy, he taught me a lesson about smiling. We had gone for family pictures. This is years and eons ago. Family pictures, right? Well, it didn't go the way I wanted it to go and I was in a bit of a huff over this. You know, I wanted to buy these and oh, you can't, you got to buy the whole package. One of those things. Maybe some of you know what I'm talking about where you go to Sears and get your family photos. Maybe you don't know at all. It doesn't matter. But the fact is we came out and it was winter time. And, you know, my wife was there and our, our daughter and our son. And we were walking out to the parking lot and I was sort of fuming a bit over this. And I looked down at, at my son and his little hat, his toque, had come down over his eyes. And he was having a great old time. He was laughing. He was enjoying this. And I looked at him and I thought, he's having so much fun. I feel like a grump. And so right there in the parking lot, we made snowballs and, you know, had some fun and played in the snow. And I thought, boy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I never forgot that lesson. It's very important. Very important in their emotional needs. The children have an emotional need. 
that they need to see the parents smile at them. There has to be some fun times. Parents, tell your children you love them. Now, it's a lot easier for women to say, I love you, than for men to say, I love you. Now, that's not always the case. Sometimes it's reversed. But most of the time, women have a lot easier time. I mean, it's just, it's like breathing. I love you, I love you. But men, I do. do. Me too. Ditto. You know, I do. And that's men, right? Well, men have to learn from their wives, their loving wives, how to say, I love you. And to look at their children and say, I love you, I love you. You know, to this day, with our children, often before we hang up on the phone, we'll say, I love you. I think that's very important because they have a need, an emotional need. Children need to be hugged. I think maybe especially little girls too. I could be wrong on that, but I think they all need to be hugged. I want to encourage parents to encourage their children because their children aren't getting enough encouragement. They need to be encouraged. It's okay to pat your, your son on the back or your daughter on the back and tell them you love them and that you think they're doing a good job. They have emotional needs. It's important that parents take the time and do things with the children. We live in a very busy, busy, very busy world. Everyone's got a job and two jobs and three jobs and we're trying to pay the mortgage and we're trying to give the kids things they never had. Well, something the kids are not going to get is the parents. If the parents are always out and always working and they come home and they're so tired, they have no time for the children, you have to make changes. Because these little, you know, these little puppies, these little bunnies of yours, they're going to grow up. And... What you are feeding them is how they're going to be. And they're going to grow up and they're going to have these thoughts. Well, you know, mom and dad were nice, but they never spent time for us. You don't want that to happen. You want for your children to have good memories of childhood. You know, when you sat down and had tea parties with them, when you went out and did fishing together and got the the pole and put the little worm on a hook or something and you did some fishing or you played some games in the backyard or something like that and take pictures of these and movies and all that stuff. They're going to come in very handy later on in life. Very important. Now, some of you know these things already, but give your children happy childhood memories. However, please remember there's a balance. How many have ever seen or heard of the cartoon called Snoopy and Peanuts and Charlie Brown? Anyone? Be honest. That's not very many hands. How many have never heard of Snoopy and Charlie Brown and Peanuts? Okay, no one's raising their hand. The math doesn't add up here, folks. Well, Charlie Brown, you know that little character in the comics there. He had his dog Snoopy. And he said to his teacher that he's made a decision in life. He's going to spend the rest of his life making his dog happy. And so he wanted to quit school and just feed Snoopy cookies to make Snoopy a happy dog. And in one little frame, Snoopy, are you happy yet? And Snoopy said, I am one cookie away from happiness. And then later, the next day, Charlie Brown realized What am I doing? This is a mistake. You know, it's good to be good to your dog. Always be good to your dog. Be good to your cat. Be good to the goldfish. 
But there's a balance in life. You can't spend all of your time with the children. You've got to divide things up. Part of your division is church as well. So part of your, your work, your job as a parent is to bring happy memories. You know something, I, I found this interesting, but the RCMP of Canada uh, published an article on their website. You can look it up. And it says, the power of parents. You are the role model. Here's what the, the article, well, a, a little piece of the article says. Parents are their children's strongest role model and greatest influence. Your children will eventually adopt many of your values and types of behavior, just as you have been influenced by your parents. Your children notice and respond to the way you deal with problems, express feelings, and celebrate special occasions. As a parent, it is impossible to not model Your children will see your example, positive or negative, as a pattern for the way life is to be lived. You are really a model for your kids. So mental needs, emotional needs. Thirdly is spiritual needs, but we're going to put that off and talk about that in a minute. So I said there's a three-step plan. Step number one is provide for all of their needs. Step number two is to protect your children from evil influences. Not only do you need to provide for all their needs, but number two, you've got to be on the lookout for the wolves, for the coyotes, for the evil influences that will come. Now, many good parents have accidentally turned a blind eye to the soft, evil influences which the devil uses in the lives of the children today. Now, the hard evil is often recognized. For example, drugs. Oh, kids, you don't want anything to do with drugs. You know, a way to educate children, sadly, this is a sad way to do it, put them in the car and take them downtown and show them some of the crazed, you know, stoned out people. You know, they're almost looking like zombies walking around the street and say, son, or my daughter, that's the effects. That's where, where drugs can take you. You don't want that. You know, drugs is an easy one to recognize. Alcohol is an easy one to recognize. So many people's lives have been destroyed by alcohol. So many Hollywood actors have been destroyed by their thirst for alcohol. They, they couldn't stop and they die young. Alcoholics' death. It happened to my cousin. He was, I think, 40 years of age. A young man, if you ask me, 40 years old, and he drank himself to death. Still to this day, it gives me the creeps. Uh, Smoking is another hard evil that we can recognize. Pornography is another hard evil. It's easy to recognize. Strangers coming and offering your kids candy is a hard evil. It's easy to recognize. But there are soft, evil influences that often parents don't recognize. The wrong kind of music. Because music influences people. Don't ever think it doesn't, because it does. Music influences. The wrong kind of music will influence your children the wrong way. Improper internet. The worst thing you can do is set up your little son with his own 
computer and access to the internet and say, have a good time, son, and close the door and lock him in. You may as well take a, a, put a gun to your head. The devil is going to get hold of your boy faster than a New York minute. Improper television. There's programs on TV today that are just wrong, wrong, wrong. It's so sad that uh, these things are, are out there. Another one is the wrong friends. You have to be very careful in the friends that will gravitate toward your son or to your daughter because they're not all good. And you have to be able to work with your children and help them to see. Now, another evil influence is being left alone. So many children are left alone for way too long. You know, mom and dad want to go out and so they leave the kids at home alone. It's not good. These things never turn out right. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, the Bible says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. That means that bad friends will make your kids bad. The evil always seems to win out. It only takes a little bit of dirt to cause big problems. It only takes a little bit of, of infection, tiny bit of germs to go in your nose or your eyes and make you sick. And it doesn't take a whole lot of evil to wreck what you've been working hard to build in your children. Now, just like a computer has hardware and software, so the devil has hard evils and soft evils, and parents must recognize everything the devil is doing trying to get a hold of their children. So, a three-step plan. plan number, part number one, step number one, is provide for all of the needs of your children. Step number two is protect your children from evil influences. Step number three is prepare your children for life. Again, it's amazing how many parents don't seem to realize that their little boy, their little girl, are going to grow up one day. And they need to be prepared because the world can be a very ugly and dangerous place. And if they're going to live and operate and be safe in this crazy world, they need to be prepared. What do we do for the young people who want to drive a car? Do we just say, okay, here's the keys, here's the car, here's your license, go to it, have fun. We don't do that at all. We put them through a, a series of, of training lessons and years where they have to prove themselves before they get their full license. And even then it doesn't always work. But if you're going to prepare your children for life, you need to give them practical wisdom. You need to teach them how to choose good friends. Tell them what makes a good friend. Teach them how to choose good clothes. Teach them how to choose good meals. Often kids left to themselves will eat every sugary sweet they can possibly get their hands on. And that's going to wreck their health. They need to be taught how to cook simple meals. Children need to be taught how to make their bed and how to do some laundry and how to do dishes because they're going to leave the nest one day and they may be living on their own for a period of time or they may get married and they need to impart these lessons to their children. You need to give your children the practical wisdom of life. You need to teach your children how to budget money, how to set aside some money from their paycheck into a PEF, a personal emergency fund. 
Too many people, they live paycheck to paycheck, spend, spend, spend as fast as they can. No wonder, no wonder there's, there's so many people running to the payday loans. What a way to go broke. Get hooked up with them, payday loans. The interest rates they charge you, or interest cards, trying to live off the, the interest of interest card, those credit cards, 18%. It's crazy. There are so many adults today that are messed up financially because they never learned, they were never taught how to live within their means, how to set up a budget. Now, parents, if you're struggling that, with that yourself, you need to get some advice from some other parents who are doing it. We have a number of accountants in our church, and any one of them can help you with those basics, and there's a lot of other good material available. You need to listen. You need to teach your children how to find God. You need to teach your children how to find God and to find God's will for their life. That's part of your job as a parent. You might say, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, the good news is God is there to help you. That's why he's given us a Bible. You need to prepare your children for life by giving them practical wisdom. But number two, giving them spiritual wisdom. It's extremely important. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, it says that the parents are to nurture their children in the admonition of the Lord. Now, to do that, you've got to know it yourself. Younger children will form their concept of God on what they see in their parents. That is scary. Parents, let them see Jesus in you. That's one of the best messages you can communicate to your children is how much you love God. You see, they won't believe what you say until they see that you yourself believe it. And so I encourage parents to let the children see them praying. Parents pray, they go in, they close the door, don't want anyone to see me. It's important that your children see you on your knees once in a while praying. That's going to cause a lasting memory for them as they grow up, knowing that mom, dad were prayer warriors. That's very important. Now, here at church, we provide a Sunday school at 10 o'clock every Sunday to help you with your job. We have a junior church. It's going on right now. We call it Super Church, ages 5 to 12, to help you with your job. We have special programs for the children here at church, including a camp every year. It's wonderful to see the children making friends with other children here at church. To me, boy, you hit, a, hit the ball out of the park. You hit a home run when you can get your children making friends with other children here at the church. They'll find some of their best friends right here at church. What a great experience to see the children grow up in church one day, I hope we can, as a church, I hope we can get back in the bus ministry. We used to have a bus. We'd drive it around, pick up neighborhood children and bring them in and tell them about the Lord. And then COVID hit. And so we're out of the bus ministry still. I hope we can get back in there and reach more children and families. God has made children with spiritual needs. Children need to hear about the Bible. They need to be involved with prayer. They need to sing the songs. They need to hear the missionary stories. Their spiritual needs. 
Listen, we have to conclude things here. But Psalm 127, verse 3. If your Bible is open, look at it once again. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. Mom, Dad, your children are only on loan to you. You have been loaned these children. They're not going to be with you forever. You only have them for a short time. One day they're going to grow up. One day they're going to move away. Out the back porch of our, uh, our home, off the, the deck, the, the kitchen, we have a deck. We put up a bird feeder and the birds would come and make a mess with the bird seed. So we had the brilliant idea, let's build a little cardboard box underneath to catch the bird seed. Then we just take the box and, and empty it. It's, it's real nice. And then one day we noticed there were some birds going into the box underneath the bird feeder. There was a hole to catch. They were going in there. They built a nest. And so we thought, oh boy, we're going to be grandparents again. <laughs> sure enough, we heard little tweet, tweet, tweet noises, tweet, tweet, tweet. And the parents were working night and day to keep those little mouths fed. We have a little uh, camera on a... I don't know, a little snake and a camera kind of thing. We can fish it in and we can look. And we were doing that in the bird's nest. We saw the eggs. We saw these, these little, oh, I should have shown you. It is so cute. The little video I took of these tiny little birdies, you know, fuzz on them. Their eyes are closed. And then when I made a noise with the little snake, all of a sudden, ah! <laughs> they just came alive like the, the, the hallelujah chorus. You know, they, their mouths are open. Feed me, feed me. It was so much fun. Did you know that when the babies are born, in about two weeks, they're ready to leave the nest? Did you know that? We learned that. And then we thought, oh, we're empty nesters again. The birds have grown up. They've flown away. You know, they're making friends. They're making families of their own. Well, another pair came and made another, you know, nest. And so we got to be parent, grandparents again. But I'm just saying this. You have children, praise the Lord. They're not going to be living in your home forever. If it goes according to the way it normally goes, by the time they hit 20, they're going to be leaving the nest. They may go to Bible college or, you know, some other college. And then... Uh, you know what happened to us when our daughter went to Bible college? She was 18. She went to Bible college. And uh, she, was, she was home, I think, one summer. And then after that, we realized she met this boy named Justin. Some of you know him. And they were going to get married. And my wife and I looked at each other and realized she's never coming home. She's never coming home again. And so... Right, I mean, the day after graduation, they got married and they went and set up the nest some, you know, and away they went. She never came back. And it's the way it's supposed to be. But you still cry at night, mind you. But it's the way it happens. Children are loaned to you. God has loaned you those children. Usually for about 20 years. You'll soon have to say goodbye. Goes too quick. In... Mark chapter 10, verse 14, Jesus said, 
suffer the little children. That means allow, allow the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. That means don't keep them out of church. Don't keep them away from Sunday school. Don't say, well, we're going to go fishing instead of going to church. Don't do that. Let them come unto me, says Jesus, for of such is the kingdom of God. All of us can do something to help encourage the children and help raise them right. Now I'm almost done, but I have one last thought. Some of you, your children are somewhat growing up. You know, your kids are teenagers. Some of you, your, your children have crossed that magic number of 20 and they're in their 20s or possibly for you maybe in their 30s. Doesn't take long, does it? And sometimes teenagers and young adults can sometimes get involved with some, some bad stuff. That happens, doesn't it? Teenagers, young adults. And it can bring sorrow to the parents. And there can be broken hearts at home. Mom and dad, broken hearts. And there can be kind of a division, a split between the parents and their teenagers or the parents and their young adult children. And don't think it couldn't happen to you. It can happen to any parent. You might be next. It's so common for teenagers and young adults to break their parents' heart. That is common. It's more common than what you think. And it's natural for parents to ask, where did we go wrong? It's a very common question that parents ask. And so here's what I would like to suggest. If parents are disappointed in the lives of their teenagers or disappointed in the lives of their young adult children, it could be, I'm not saying it is, but it could be because the teenagers or the young adults first became disappointed in the lives of the parents. Now hear me out. In other words, the children became disillusioned with their parents. What does this mean? It means that somehow, somewhere, the parents may have failed their children in not bringing them up 100% God's way. It means that they might have somehow mixed the ways of the world in there somehow. And believe me, I know what I'm talking about. It's not always easy for a parent to see where they may have failed their children. And the reason is because parents are so close to the situation. We have that expression in English and we say, you can't see the forest for the trees. You're so close to the trees that you can't see the whole forest. And as parents, we're often too close to the situation to see where the problem is. It requires parents to step back and to take an honest look at things. Now many parents will say, we love our kids. And I know they do. I believe them. I believe they love their kids. But you see, that's not the question. The question is not, do you love your kids? That's not the question. The kids know that you love them. But 
in the kid's mind, the question is, do you like me? There's a difference. Parents say, oh, I, I love my kids, I love my kids. But then we ask, but do you really like them? And that's where the parents say, let me think about that. The kids know the difference. The kids can see it. The kids experience it. Kids know that you love them, but remember in their mind, that's just because you're the parent. You say, I love you. Yeah, you're supposed to say that. You're my mom. You're my dad. You're supposed to, that's your job as a parent. Now I'm talking about the mind of the teenager or the mind of the young adult. Somewhere along the line, the parent failed. The children took offense. And this gap grew. And then children got involved with things that broke the parents' hearts. Where did we go wrong? I love my kids. I know. I know you do. But do you, do you like them? That's what the kids want to know. Mom, Dad, do you really like me? I know you love me, but do you like me? So here's a question that you can ask if you're a mom or a dad. Here's a question that you can ask yourself if you're in this situation. If I had to choose my closest friends, would I choose my teenage son? Would I choose my teenage daughter? If I had to choose my closest friends, would I choose my 20-some-year-old son or daughter? Would I choose them to be my closest friends? And it's amazing how many parents sit back and say, I'm not sure. I, I, I think I want to, but... I'm not sure. Do you love your kids? Of course I love my kids. But do you really like them? That's the question. Well, why? Why? Why is this? It's possible that um, all the parents can see are the mistakes the teenager has made. All the parents can see are the the disappointments that the young adults have brought home. And it's always far easier to see someone's mistakes than it is to see all the good things that they've done. And so if you find yourself saying, I love my kids, but I'm not sure if I'd ever choose them as my best friends, then it probably suggests, yes, you really do love your kids, but it probably also suggests that you don't really like what you see. You don't like them at the moment because of their behavior, because of their attitudes, because of the choices they've made. I'm not saying that you're supposed to like sin. I'm not saying that at all. But the kids will see very quickly whether you like their choice of music, you like their hairstyle, you like their clothing, or... Maybe your kids are going to nightclubs or something. And I'm, again, I'm not saying that you're to like things that are wrong. You're not to do that. But you need to learn how to like them. And there's a difference. You can not only love your kids, but you can like them. And liking, learning to like your kids is the first step in bringing back what you used to have. Remember that God is the one who gave you those children. They are special gifts from God to you. And so you need to learn to like the fact 
that God has blessed you by giving you those children. You need to be thankful how God has made them. You need to be thankful for their unique skills and abilities. You need to be thankful to God for their health and for their good looks. You need to be thankful for the fact that they are your offspring. When Adam and Eve sinned, it was God who reached out to them. Many parents of troubled teens, troubled young people, are just sitting back and waiting for the young people to come and humbly knock on their door and get on their knees and ask forgiveness. But when Adam and Eve sinned, it was God who went to them. Your children will never be perfect. Never. It's possible that they have a wounded spirit. It's possible that you've helped in some way to wound it, wound them without realizing it. But the point is, you need to go to them. Like God went to Adam and to Eve. Mom, Dad, you need to go to them. This means, say, how do I do this? How do I do this? How do I go to, to them? Well, it means, number one, you're going to have to come to God first. You're going to have to come to God, number one, first, and ask God for wisdom and for the humility to be able to reach out to your children before it's too late. And after that, you need to go and sit down with your children alone. And listen carefully. You need to ask forgiveness for failing them and tell them that you want to start again and to show them the proper love and respect and, and acceptance that they so desperately need. And then what you do is you give it time. Don't be in a rush. You give it time. And you pray earnestly every day for them. And God will give you the first opportunity to show love and acceptance. And it won't be long. It won't take long before God starts working in their hearts. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 15 says, A child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Now this is literally true. And it literally happens in countless lives. Back in 1988, a young couple in San Francisco named Ken and Esther Dileski gave birth to a baby boy whom they named Scott. Scott was a bright and a handsome little baby boy, but when he was three years of age, his mummy and daddy separated. And Scott went to live with his mother, but his mother seemed too busy. And Scott got neglected. And during elementary school, they put him in a foster home. And that caused more neglect. Scott grew up to be a teenager. And he seemed like a very intelligent and funny young man. But by now, Scott had a much darker side to his life. Scott was fascinated with gothic symbols of death. I had thought about putting a picture up here and showing you what Scott looked like, but I decided it's not going to do you any good. Well, suddenly one morning on October the 15th, 2005... 16-year-old Scott went and murdered his 52-year-old neighbor, Pamela Vitale. He did it in a most satanic manner. And then he joked about it with his friends later that night. 
Five days later, Scott was arrested for his horrific crime. And a year later, Scott was sentenced to life in prison. Today, Scott is 34 years old and he will spend the rest of his life in prison. And I read that story and it broke my heart because here was a promising little boy whose life could have been so different had his mommy and daddy raised him God's way. How would Scott's life have been different if he were not left to himself? What if his parents had followed God's teachings in the Bible to love their son and to provide and protect and prepare him for an honest life for the glory of God? Perhaps today, listen, perhaps today this same Scott Daleski would be a happy, well-adjusted father of children himself. Listen, perhaps Scott Daleski could even be a pastor in the ministry today helping people instead of rotting his life away in prison as a murderer. Parents, don't make a mistake. Satan is trying to get your kids. He's trying to fill their head and fill their heart with lies and lusts of the world. Your job before God is to raise your kids God's way. So they're happy. So they're pure. So they're honest. So they live a balanced life, a productive, fruitful life. You have to take action. You have to have a plan to raise your children. Providing, protecting, preparing. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I would like to extend an invitation to all of the parents today to come on the invitation in just a moment and to pray. If your children are small, you need to ask God for wisdom and how to raise them God's way. You need to pray for yourself for wisdom. Pray for your children. Pray for their protection. If your children are older, if they're teenagers or young adults, you need to pray for wisdom, how to make changes. Because listen, mom, listen, dad, your, your son is not five years old anymore. He's 15 or he's 18. And you need to change the way you parent. You need to adjust with that. Reinvent yourself. You know, during the war, the Second World War and the First World War, these 18-year-old kids were behind the controls of Spitfires and, you know, Sopwith camels and, and they were holding guns and military weapons and defending their country at 18. Some as young as 15 and 16. They lie about their age, mind you. But you get the point. They're not five anymore and we have to reinvent ourselves as parents and you need God's wisdom to do that. You need God's wisdom because the devil is going to help you make mistakes. And the devil is going to tell you to, you're too proud to admit the mistakes. Today's your opportunity to ask God for special blessing, special wisdom, to pray for your children. Pray for your home and family. Pray that you can do it God's way. Would you do that? I invite you to stand to your feet now. We'll, we're going to have a word of prayer. Thank you for watching the message today. 
We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.